Want to know what is happening in the world of energy in buildings? Want to learn how to make your indoor environment the most comfortable and efficient? Welcome to the Eco Expert Podcast by Schneider Electric and your host, Martin Fader. This podcast has been created to give you the latest information of how technology is shaping the way we are using, designing, and controlling the energy usage in buildings to create more efficient and comfortable environments. With the help of my co-hosts Dushan Janjic and Kevin Morin, both experts in their fields of environmental and power control, over the coming months with the help of case study examples, interviews and open discussion, we hope to bring you the latest news and ideas about how you can improve the use of energy in your buildings. So welcome back to the Eco Expert podcast. It's been quite a while since uh, my last broadcast under very, very strange conditions for the whole of the world. But I'm really happy to say I've got Kevin with me all over the well, over the way in Canada on the far side in Victoria. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well, Martin. Nice to hear your voice and thanks for having me back. Uh, it's great to have you. It's uh, I'm sure you're having to endure the same conditions as the rest of the world at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, in my home office for uh, seven, eight months now, uh, getting uh, my dog very comfortable with having uh, having me home all day with her. So she's happy. <laughs> yeah, there, there's always some positive sides out of all of this. Uh, and certainly in terms of, I know for a lot of eco experts and partners and system integrators out there, it's been a, a very difficult time business wise. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people will like to see the back of 2020. Uh, but I would like to say that I think 2020 has made a significant change in the way that I think all of our futures are going to be. And I think we're seeing this also in the industries and businesses that we're in as well. Absolutely. I was actually just recently speaking with one of our eco experts. It's a mass, one of our master level partners. And we had actually had an opportunity to connect with him and, and the other master level eco experts in the critical power competency certification earlier this year before the pandemic struck. And the theme of the event that we had held was built around uh, resilience, the topic of resilience. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. And the partner mentioned to me, it's amazing how relevant that theme has become in 2020. Uh, yes, very much so. And I think uh, that was also a subject that was touched upon in our previous uh, podcast, which was the interview with Chris Botka about also the workplace of the future. And I think they uh, touched on some on, on some significant bits that I would say are affecting us uh, both on the power side and on our buildings design side from from an eco expert system integrator type of uh, type of uh, position. And, and I would say Schneider Electric itself, what I've seen, they have reacted uh, to this. And I've noticed some stuff on YouTube about something they're calling Buildings of the Future. Mm. And uh, this Buildings of the Future was a YouTube presentation by the executive vice, vice president of the Digital uh, Energy Division, a gentleman called Lohan Bataille. And I thought it would be interesting if I capture that uh, spoken part and play that now here on the podcast to introduce what Schneider are calling the buildings of the future. Great, let's hear it. Hello, EcoExpert partners. More than ever, today's world is exposing more challenges for your customers and more demands from theirs. 
Current times have unveiled unwavering realities about how buildings are designed, built, maintained, and operated, and their ability to deliver an experience that ensures occupant safety, comfort, and satisfaction. With this, building owners and facility managers are faced with an escalating need to balance operational efficiency with environmental citizenship, while managing financial objectives and providing a safe and healthy environment. Your customers are re-evaluating their solution providers based not only on skill sets, but on expertise in delivering the technology to meet these needs in real time and prepare them for unforeseen circumstances. Our Buildings of the Future vision is about delivering solutions for the sustainable, resilient, hyper-efficient and people-centric buildings that your customers need. This vision brings new opportunities for eco-expert partners to differentiate themselves in a rapidly evolving and increasingly competitive market. It equips you with an industry-leading offer portfolio that not only eases the burden of, our, of your customers' criticalities, but also opens pioneering and compelling conversations to drive your business through broadening your bid scope, improving your hit rate, and growing your bottom line. Through uncertain times, and well beyond getting back to normal, Buildings of the future will deliver on three growth drivers for eco-expert partners. First, end-to-end -end portfolio sales. A transition from selling point solutions to a full integrated portfolio and a strategic growth opportunity for eco-expert partners to become certified in additional competencies. Second, thought leadership a key differentiator that will elevate eco-expert partners above competition and position them as the trusted advisor in the market for their expertise in solution innovation and implementation. Third and finally, business growth, a strategy to create demand generation in the market that directly boosts significant growth for eco-expert channels. EcoExpert partners are the implementation arms of EcoStructure. Together, we will drive the building industry transformation with our Buildings of the Future vision and help our customers survive and thrive today and tomorrow. So Kevin, what I'll do is I'll put that link. Uh, so if anybody wants to actually physically watch that off YouTube, I'll, I'll put that link onto the podcast description that you can see uh, on your player or, or whatever player you've got. But I was a little bit intrigued about this in terms of what it really meant. So I managed to track down uh, one of the strategic marketing uh, ladies uh, from Schneider Electric, also based in um, Andover in Massachusetts. Her name is Alison Huffman. And I had a pretty decent interview with her to try to get to the bottom of what actually this, I would say, journey Buildings of the Future was really all about. So this is the interview I had with her. That's a really good question, Martin, especially now a lot of people stop us and say, well, why Buildings of the Future right now in the middle of a pandemic? You know, throughout the world, we're hearing these stories about these buildings that are sitting empty. So, so why would Schneider come to the market right now and say, let's look at a new way of how we 
manage and operate and maintain our buildings. Um, buildings of the future is actually, this is the perfect time for it. The industry was already feeling a lot of pressure to move um, into an electrical world, into a digital world, and COVID has really put that into hyperdrive because there's new requirements for building owners and facility managers that have been brought on by COVID. So now more than ever, Buildings need to be all electric and all digital. Uh, we need to be looking at buildings that can be sustainable and resilient, especially resilient, ready for anything in the future. They need to be people-centric. They need to be focused on how we're going to keep people safe. And they need to be hyper-efficient. So now more than ever is the right time for buildings of the future. So in terms of uh, the messaging and what we would like to achieve, what is it that we're trying to say to our customers and our system integrators or even the eco-experts? So I think there are two different messages. You know, we see two different types of demands um, being put on our, our building owners and operators and then on our system integrators. For building owners and operators, there's new challenges with COVID that either they're dealing now with low occupancy buildings where their commercial buildings or hotels are half empty and they still need to keep that building running. Um, they need to be able to manage it remotely. Then we have other people in high um, high demand buildings and hospitals that are, at, are operating at max capacity. So they have a certain set of demands. Um, so for them, buildings of the future, it's really about you can succeed, you can be sustainable, you can be resilient. There is a way for you to meet all these needs and still remain within your operating budgets. And this is really a framework or ingredients of how they can reach um, that end result of keeping these buildings going, of thriving, of improving the investment that they've made in their buildings. For system integrators, it's a little bit of a different approach. And for our eco experts, because now more than ever, they need to be an advisor for their customers because this is a new time for building owners and operators. And they need to be able to help them navigate, how do I operate my building remotely? They need to be able to help them navigate all the demands of social distancing um, and the constraints COVID is putting on customers. So they need to be a different type of partner, almost one that can kind of span all these different types of conversations. And Buildings of the Future really has those answers for them. It's a framework that they can study and then take to their customers and say, here are the answers, here how is how I can help you. So would you say it's a business as normal for our system integrators or do they really now need to think, think about their futures and how they adapt their businesses? What's, what's the messaging there for them and how can we actually help them with that? For system integrators, for our eco experts, business is definitely not normal. Now is the time to adapt to a digital um, uh, frame of mind like you, you they have to shift how they're thinking about business and how they're working with their customers and if they don't a competitor is going to step in and take that customer from them because what's happening is that we are shifting to digital and our customers the demands they're facing can only be answered by digital so if they're really only thinking about going into a building and fixing parts and moving boxes it's a, it, they have to come in with a different approach now because uh, that's what's needed to answer all these different demands their customers are facing. So really, this is do or die time for eco experts and for our system integrators. You have to adapt to survive. 
So I heard and we heard from uh, Laurent's um, presentation right at the beginning of, of this section when we talked about buildings of the future. He talked about uh, system integrators, in particular eco-experts, learning new competencies and uh, certainly adopting technology and obviously the latest uh, equipment and solutions that also the manufacturers such as Schneider Electric are, are producing. Um, in in the case of where, what, how would you recommend if a, if a system integrator is not capable or, or doesn't have the funding at the moment or, you know, is just a bit scared about adding on new competencies? What, what other ways could they, you know, grow their businesses? Eco-experts are a critical part of our own success at Schneider. So we want to make sure that they are prepared to bring buildings of the future to the market. They are prepared for those conversations. So we have created tools um, that will help guide them through those conversations, make those transitions. We have created materials that will bridge the gap, you know, maybe for some eco-experts that are going multi-badge, that are used to only working in the building system area, now we're asking them to think about power. We have the right tools to help them um, bridge that gap in knowledge around those offers. So we really would be here every step of the way with our eco-experts because their success is our success. So. It, it, you know, it's it's really a partnership. For partners that the idea of going multi-badge isn't possible right now, we are looking at ways to bring our different partners together. We want to help facilitate that conversation. So right now, perhaps an eco-expert doesn't have the capacity to add on another badge to take on that additional time for training, we're going to help you find the right partner to go to market with. So together, from a building to the future perspective, you guys have everything that your customers will need. So very much, we want to kind of help make those matches. So, uh, Alison, we've kicked off. Uh, I've seen some communication uh, out in the public now, I believe. And what are the plans now going forward? Uh, OK, we're almost right at the end. And by the time this podcast comes out, we will be right at the end of 2020. So what are the plans for 2021? 2021, we're going to bring a lot more uh, material and training and tools into buildings of the future for our partners. We will start to roll out these enabler programs. Enablers are the, the ingredients, those breadcrumbs we've talked about that build up to those pillars. So if you come in and talk to a customer and they really want to know about rem remote operations, say, we will have a kit for you to take to those customers. Um, and you'll see a lot more of those types of kits coming out in 2021, whether it's focused on power reliability, healthy buildings, um, how to be people-centric, and to do um, social distancing within a building. We'll have a lot more pieces to help build and enrich the conversation eco-experts are going to have with those customers. So certainly a very good opportunity for our uh, eco-experts of today to expand and probably, as you've said, really meet the way that the future of buildings are going to be looked upon, maintained, and what sort of service they provide. And certainly, I think another key message I've taken from you there, Alison, is that obviously, if you're not an eco-expert today, but you're interested in joining this, uh, you know, this this journey really uh, for the future, then obviously reach out uh, to your local teams and 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 see whether you would be you know, accepted into the Eco Expert program. It, it sounds really exciting, very different in terms of I think COVID, has, as you said, has really been the catalyst in accelerating the you know, the IoT of things and 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 really smart buildings. 
So for sure, the advantage of being an eco expert right now, this is really the right time to join if you're thinking about it, because the level of um, material available to our eco experts through Buildings of the Future is not available um, outside to our other um, just general system integrators. This is really special materials made for eco experts. This is a thought leadership program for our eco experts so they can build their own brand. They get to tell this story at the same level that we're telling the story with the same materials that our most senior executives are using. Um, so they can differentiate their own business. They can create that thought leadership piece and they can have a new type of conversation with their customer and they can come with those materials. And again, if they're not comfortable selling across a portfolio that's talking about power reliability because they usually are focused on business systems, we have those tools to help them have that conversation or we will connect them with the right partner to do that. So if you're not an eco expert right now, you're missing out on all of that opportunity. Hey, very strong message there, Alison, and uh, I think that's very loud and clear. And I'm looking forward to being able to connect with you maybe during halfway through next year to see how this program is really going and what sort of uptake we've got. Brilliant. Brilliant. And Alison, I thank you so much. I think that's been a really good overview uh, of what this uh, this journey is all about. And uh, yeah, I look forward to finding out more about it. Absolutely. Thank you, Martin. Great interview, Martin. That's uh, great insights from Allison and, and kind of the vision that she's got as she's deploying this building of the future campaign. You know, for me, I think there's a couple of uh, takeaways from what she was saying. I think the, the things she mentioned around how buildings of the future are going to be cons much more concerned with either this idea of being remotely managed for buildings that are perhaps this year at a lo lower level of occupancy and then the whole idea of really being uh, hypersensitive to buildings that are, are highly critical. So the buildings that are fully occupied and really are, are driving this resiliency uh, in the greater network. So I think this idea of contrasting remotely management, remote management for some buildings and high occupancy for critical buildings, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Absolutely. I, I would also say, I think one of my takeaways from her is this, those two things combined along with the fact that, you know, we as providers, our integrators, the eco experts, any type of system integrator out there from, from whichever market or brand you're working from is this, the skill sets you're now going to need uh, are, are clearly going to be, uh, or your customers are clearly going to expect it, them to be expanded. And the interoperability of all these devices within a building. And, and okay, we talked about it, about the internet of things and probably the last three or four years. I actually believe now with, with this COVID uh, situation, it's now accelerated the need for these systems to really collaborate with each other, um, you know, well-being of the individual, but you mentioned just then as well, the criticality, the resilience. And that for me means there's so much more than what I would call just the building systems. I mean, I don't know whether you've got any insights in terms of how, you know, the, the, the power, the electricity even, how, how that is now going to play a major part. Something I think we've always taken for granted. Or how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and obviously, coming from my background, I'm very interested in learning more about the building systems, maybe the more the mechanical systems. But absolutely, uh, you know, when I talk to the partners that I'm working with, a lot of them are highly focused on power management. And specifically, when we're thinking of power management, it's helping to improve reliability of power in both critical facilities as well as non-critical facilities. So Allison mentioned, uh, you know, trying to develop some tools to enable our partners to talk um, more deeply, uh, more intelligently on the subject of power reliability. And I wanted to learn a little bit more as well and see how maybe how some of our partners are approaching 
power reliability. So I had an opportunity last week to sit down and interview Tony Hunt, who is in our digital energy division. He's focused primarily around subjects related to power management. And he's recently hosted uh, a panel discussion with several eco-experts, as well as several of their customers. Um, and, and that panel discussion was really focused on the subject of power reliability. So why don't we uh, tune into that and see what Tony had to say? Brilliant. Good afternoon, Tony Hunt. Thank you for joining the EcoExpert podcast. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here. I have worked with you, Tony, for upwards of, I think, 15 years now. Uh, I've known you to work in several capacities from training to offer management. I wonder if you could tell our audience a little bit about uh, what you do now. Sure, Kev. So these days, I pretty much function as a consultant, internal and external to Schneider Electric, focusing on helping people understand the benefits of power management and power management applications. I work closely with EcoStructure Power Marketing, and I also help support our external marketing communications to make sure that we have um, really strong uh, marketing messaging around applications that bring high value to end users and also to be able to take a segment approach in terms of our communication. So making sure that we are addressing the specific needs of target segments. Interesting. Yeah. And I know as part of that consulting that you, you mentioned, one of the groups that you're consulting with is our marketing communications group, which is driving really a quite an interesting campaign for 2021 focused around this idea of buildings of the future. And the idea of buildings of the future is that we know things are changing. And, you know, the, the pillars that we, we look at when we consider what is going to be a building of the future focus around things like sustainability, resilience, hyper-efficiency, and people-centric buildings. So I'm curious, when we think about those four pillars, um, what comes to mind from your background, from your perspective of, you know, really what's impacting the future of buildings? Well, of course, you know, in, in any of those four areas, there, there's a lot going on in terms of global trends. Um, but with the background I have, of course, I'm a little bit um, biased towards uh, the resilient pillar, which underneath it um, have aspects of power reliability. Um, and the other one I would say is sustainability. Those two pillars for me are, are very, very important, and they're also interconnected. Okay, perfect. And and that's that's a, a perfect and uh, perfect segue because I think what we want to try to accomplish on our episode today is to to learn a little bit more about power reliability and so this topic of resilience is is obviously very linked to that. And you recently hosted an innovation talk with a couple of our eco experts and also a couple of their customers and this was a talk that was again hosted under the theme of buildings of the future but it was made available to the public and we'll make sure that all of our listeners have access to a link so they can go watch it as well. But I'm curious when, when you had this innovation talk and it was really focused on the idea of power reliability, how did this, this concept of sustainability and resilience come together? You mentioned that you, you see them as being linked. Well, so we, we had four panelists, as you said, we had two eco experts, who are system integration companies um, that specialize in both the industrial automation and electrical engineering and, and energy management. 
and then they brought respectively a customer each and what came up was that when I asked them about, you know, power reliability and what it meant to them and their business, all four of them started to talk about things like um, adding solar panels, developing microgrids, finding ways to reduce their carbon footprint and to achieve net zero um, for sustainability. And it was interesting because I asked them about power reliability and their answer was what you would consider, I think, to be more in line with uh, sustainability and energy efficiency. But then it became much more clear that the reason why that was the first thing that they started talking about was because that from, I guess you'd say the highest level goal might might be a sustainability type goal for the corporation and maybe for all of us uh, on the planet here. But one thing that came through was that these sustainability goals, they drive significant investment in changes that affect the electrical system. And the the title of the innovation talk actually was called Power Reliability for the New Electric World, because in Schneider Electric, that's one, one of our uh, vision statements is around how the future is much more electric. And um, this was completely validated by by the panelists and their answers when they went immediately to talking about how, for example, Schiphol Airport, one of the busiest airports in Europe, how they have um, combined heat and power energy storage in, in the ground. So under underground energy storage, um, battery technologies came up. And of course, they have um, they have solar um, production for electrical production on site. And what that meant to them was that those changes are significantly impacting the way that they have to manage and look at maintaining the reliability for their electrical infrastructure. So to me, that's the, the really strong common thread there. Um, and the, the, other, the other customer, by the way, who was in a, in a, from a different country in Europe, um, he's a chief technology officer who's... Uh, in charge of the technical rollout for a brand new manufacturing plant and their plans for power. And when he talked about power reliability, he, he went straight for the same things. He said that we will be connecting to a solar farm that's just down the road, um, in addition to having traditional grid power for electricity. And then another source of power was an anaerobic digest. So he called it an AD generation, where they use um, the waste from animals. And in this case, it was chickens. So they, they make power from, from chicken poo. And yeah, I was going to say, this is where the uh, the innovation talk was got interesting because you started talking about chicken. Well, I didn't. But um, definitely our customer, when I asked him to explain, so how does this work? He said, basically, the new electric world, Tony, does include any type of renewable modern power generation right down to the point where we're using, um, in, as you put it, chicken, sh where we can take the gases and, and turn that into uh, biogeneration of electricity. So really cool that's, stuff. Yeah, that really cool. Very, stuff. very cool stuff. And, it, and very interesting. So so that's in, that's a very interesting link how or how quickly very interesting, I should say, how quickly our customers and, and customers of our eco expert partners brought together this this concept of, of their thinking of power reliability, but immediately this idea of resiliency in a building and sustainability in a building 
are intimately linked. They're they're almost foundational for each other. I, I you know I would say to our audience listening here, made up primarily of, of system integrators, right? That even if your customers are focused initially when you're having discussions with them about you know net zero sustainability, especially as a guy that has a corporate energy management certification like you have where we're all trained in energy management practices and ISO 50001. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But what I learned from this innovation talk was that these energy management goals, these sustainability goals, they all will typically have an impact on the electrical system, the future of that electrical system. They will all introduce more complexity and dynamics to that electrical system, which have clear implications for those of us that deal in the world of power management. And that's where having a, um, a power management system in place becomes incredibly important because these panelists basically explained that without a power management system in place, I could not handle the dynamics of the new electric world. I would not be able to advise people or provide them the information they needed um, to do the studies we needed to do to understand how we would manage the dynamics of these alternate power sources that they were implementing. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, so I was shifting gears a little bit, Tony. I'm curious, uh, in this innovation talk you had, aside from some of these sustainability objectives, what were some of the other things that... that kind of they brought up other points they brought up where you know maybe some of our listeners should be taking into consideration when they're thinking about maximizing resiliency well of course you know when i did the same thing in the innovation talk i said okay besides things like um you know renewables microgrids in the new electric world what are other considerations and right away uh, the topic of power quality came up and we, we had a couple examples shared. I can share one now with you if we have time. Um, it, it was actually a manufacturing facility in the Czech Republic. And what happened there, it was a system integrator partner of ours who were doing the industrial automation part. And the facility was doing a large expansion and modernization. So in, in the type of manufacturing they do, which was um, high-tech modern specialty paper containers for um, egg cartons, for fruits and vegetables. So it's um, a modern alternative to styrofoam and other types of plastic containers. Um, but the equipment they use to manufacture these specialty paper products are highly specialized and therefore very expensive. And inside them, they have these servo drives. And what was happening was as they were commissioning and bringing these um, paper processing machines in, into operation. And after not too long, they won it. Well, first of all, one failed and it became difficult to diagnose what the failure was. And they eventually determined from the manufacturer who had to send specialists in that in the servo drives, there were these thyristor bridges that were burnt. And in the end, uh, I think they said 12 of these machines went down. So it was very, very uh, disruptive, hugely expensive to the overall commissioning cycle and project. Um, it did impact our system integrator, unfortunately, where there was some shared responsibilities there. Um, so things weren't going as well as planned. But even though they were diagnosing the burned um, thyristor bridges inside these servo drives, that was not the root cause. So now the question was, okay, this must be an electrical problem. 
Uh, how on earth do we figure this out? They had no monitoring in place. Nobody was a power quality expert. So they had to bring that person in to determine that what was happening was they had capacitor banks that were dynamically controlled for power factor correction. And unfortunately, these brand new pieces of equipment with the servo drives also had their own compensation that was sensing the voltage and current separating, meaning power factor, and they were trying to compensate as well. And the end result basically was that they were fighting each other. So uh, way upstream, you had capacitor banks being electronically controlled for power factor correction. And downstream, you had these servo drives that were also trying to do their own compensation, and they ended up burning out the thyristors. So when this story was shared, it was very interesting how he opened. He said, trust me, everyone, Power quality is important. We should all learn it and pay attention because it, bad things can happen and bad things that you don't know how to explain and they can cost you a lot of money. It's amazing how many times uh, on, on this podcast, thyristor drives and – sorry, servo drives and thyristor resist. Thyristor <laughs> bridges in the servo bridges drives. Bridges have come up. Uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing uh, when you think of it uh, that they haven't been listening to the eco-expert podcast, obviously. Um, okay, so but but all jokes aside, so so the point you made there is that so power aside from sustainability, power quality is a massive driver when we think about um, reliability and power reliability in particular. So that's that's quite interesting. The other one that that was brought up, I think, during the innovation talk was was looking at energy efficiency retrofits and how there's actually an implication there between energy efficiency retrofits and power reliability. And I thought that was an interesting one. I hadn't heard that before. Well, I mean, I think those of us that, um, you know, study power quality impacts and, and, and understand some of the real world examples, we, we do, we actually do know this. We just wish more people knew this and understood it. Um, I think one of the classic uh, examples um, that we love to share with people is the case of, for example, a hospital. So hospitals that have sensitive equipment in them, such as blood dialysis machines, imagery machines for MRIs or CAT scans. And we do have a case, you know, you and I are based in Canada and there's a a well-known story in Canada with one of the regional hospitals was doing a, a an energy efficiency retrofit project and they installed variable speed drives throughout out the hospital to reduce their energy consumption. And that's what the energy audit and the specialists recommended. And that's what the system integration companies did. And we came in and did it all only to cause the blood dialysis machines to start failing for no reason. So if you remember the story about the thyristor bridges and you had to bring in okay. specialized guys to from the manufacturer, it was the same story. It's just different equipment. In this case, it was harmonics. So the most common problem caused in... I would call them energy conservation projects, would be retrofitting variable speed drives or variable frequency drives. And the other huge one is um, large-scale lighting retrofits where older technologies are, are removed and LED lights are put in en masse. And what those two changes do to your electrical system are huge. They basically introduce a, a significant amount of harmonic pollution And in most cases, when you're doing an energy project, everybody's focused on the energy reduction. They're focused on replacing old, bad equipment, inefficient equipment with new, highly efficient equipment. And there's zero consideration given to the 
implications of the power quality and the degradation of power quality due to harmonics. So this is becoming more widespread and I'd love our listeners to understand that more because if you look for it, it's out there much more often than you think. Um, and I'll just quickly mention another industry where we see this happening quite often is automotive manufacturing. Um, in, in many parts of the world, we are working with automotive plants, uh, the major players. We all know the big automotive manufacturers. And these are the customers we're working with who are finding that the harmonic pollution in some parts of their plants is bad enough that it's impacting the um, welding is, is one example. There are several, but one example is um, high-tech machinery in the form of, of uh, robot-based welders. These are automated machines that do highly precise uh, electrical-based welding for um, you know, putting together metal panels and such. And when you have harmonics in the system, uh, the welding doesn't go very well. Basically, you get an inferior quality that has to be uh, rejected. And we are now doing harmonic mitigation projects using our AccuSign active harmonic filters in a lot of these automotive plants. So I encourage a lot of you on the call to look for these types of uh, opportunities out there because um, a lot of people still don't think about uh, power quality and harmonics as being a significant um, power reliability factor. Absolutely. And I, and I guess even what you're saying is it expands beyond power reliability. It's operational reliability. So if you're, if you're, if it's impacting the quality of your products, then it's impacting your operations. It is. And and that's a form of resilience and, and reliability, right? So yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, strictly speaking, maybe that's not the reliability of the power, but from my perspective, it is. I mean, I never define power availability as just the presence of power. For me, it's all about the presence of power and it's the quality of power that's present. And if you don't have high quality power supplying all of this modern, digital, high-tech equipment, the chances of you having a malfunction or failure in some piece of equipment nowadays is much, much higher than it was in the past. In the good old days, yeah, equipment sense. was big. It was it was inefficient, but it was big, it was strong, and it didn't really care. Nowadays, everything is small and sensitive and digital, and one piece of equipment that's causing the harmonics is going to impact some other piece of equipment downstream that's very sensitive to harmonics. And it's a growing concern, and we're seeing more and more of it. So, so and I think, you know, if I bring it back to the innovation talk you held last week, um, you know, again, if I think about our two partners, our two eco-experts that joined you on the call, mm -hmm. both those companies are, are well known for their field of expertise, um, but they both are kind of coming coming at this world of power management as a new business opportunity for them. They, their core focus is really industrial process automation. Right. And then if you look at the customers that they brought to the call that they're having some success with, these are totally different companies for totally different industries. One is a major European airport. The other is making cheese. And yet at the end of the day, they have very similar needs in terms of power reliability and are both thinking of their businesses as operating in a new way. They're, they're operating buildings of the future in a sense. So, so it was definitely an interesting talk. And, and I love the fact that we were able to bring up this idea of power reliability and we could see that commonality between the two of them. I'm curious, Tony, if we wrap up our, our recording, our podcast, 
Is there any other takeaways that some of the listeners should have when they're thinking about buildings of the future and in particular the topic of power reliability? Uh, sure. I, I think when, when I think back to working with our system integrators for the innovation talk, one of the things that they shared with me, again, being relatively new to the um, electrical engineering and power management space, um, they basically said that one of the things that's really important from their perspective is to make sure that they have a very stepwise approach to providing solutions in the space of power management, to be um, uh, looking at things in terms of providing simple, attainable solutions for their customers as step one, knowing that they can continue to engineer more functionality and capability in the future. So in other words, they were saying, you know, when you're working with a customer and there's opportunities to help them with power reliability, power quality, do not necessarily try to tackle all of the different things you can address at once. Don't make it too complicated for your customer at first, but look for the simple first step and be successful doing that first, knowing that we can continue to work with our customer and continue to evolve their system and help develop them to be more sophisticated over time and take on more and more. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I think it's obvious to a lot of people, but your first step really when it comes to implementing um, a power monitoring system and it's built into the name is to establish visibility. So if, if you have no basic real-time information about your electrical system and you have no visibility of the quality of power flowing through that electrical system, step one is install some, some power metering and get some visibility. Learn, see what's going on. So what the system integrator said is do that first. Don't boil the ocean. Have a nice, simple, attainable project with your customer and give them the visibility, show them some initial value. And then once you've achieved that first goal and been successful, then it opens the whole arena to so many other places you can take it to accomplish the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. Um, you know, I, I also mention about baselining. So when I'm doing education um, and consulting with system integrators and even end users, I talk about power quality baselining. And what that means is, is you put in some basic metering in the right places. So we don't have to have power meters everywhere, but start monitoring your incomer and your main feeders and your critical loads and start to establish what I call a power quality baseline. See what's going on under normal operations. Assess your harmonics. Look at your power factor. Look how many voltage disturbances you're having. What kind of unbalance are you having? And then once you've established that, then you can start taking actions to what I would say mitigate your vulnerabilities. Start assessing the situation from the perspective of risk meaning where could something go wrong? If we had an outage from the grid, if a piece of equipment internal to my facility, some electrical equipment blew up, let's say a transformer you know, failed and, and blew up, what is my contingency? How quickly can I um, 
you know, get, uh, figure out what's going on and, and then quickly take decisions to get us back up and running as fast as possible. And that's, that's where that the value really starts to show. The, uh, the description that um, our customer had from the airport during your talk, he definitely had some uh, good insights along those lines when they talk about contingency planning and understanding kind of the, if they've got the monitoring in place, how can that improve how quickly they're able to recover when they do have an outage? Yeah, You know, for me, what was interesting, Kevin, was his major takeaway was that they had the system in place and they still had the outage and they still had to shut down the airport. So you would think with that information, you would say, well, then that's a crappy system. They should, they didn't, it wasn't useful. He said, no, no. What we learned was you have to use the information it's providing you. It wasn't the fault of the meters and the software. It was our fault. And he admitted it. And he said that the power in these systems is actually using the information wisely with downstream stakeholders. In other words, make sure everybody in your organization that could leverage the information has access to it. Make sure that so, you're taking requests from them for information they could use to be better at their job. So you're absolutely touching on the next topic that we will bring in a, in a follow-up podcast where we think about integrating your power systems with your building management systems, for example, and sharing information between systems. And for sure, this whole discussion around that we're having now around integrating these systems, sharing information with different operators, with different stakeholders, is all whole part of that whole integration of building and power. 100%. 100%. I mean, once you get Perfect. the information well, shared with other systems, then you're, you're, max, you're, you're taking the value to an exponentially higher level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tony, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, I do appreciate you uh, taking 25 minutes out of your day to, to share some insights. And again, we'll make sure that everyone has access to the link to this power talk, or the, sorry, this innovation talk you gave last week. Uh, I think they heard a few of the insights on the podcast, but but definitely tune in and, uh, and hear straight from the customers and our eco experts on the topic of power reliability. My pleasure, Kev. Thank you very much. Kevin, that was really fascinating. Um, I Again, from my point of view, from a building's perspective, I hadn't realized the potential uh, that are there with using the right equipment tools, um, the, the the components, the technology that are there. And obviously, I think we all take, unless, I'm, unless you're involved in that business, you take this electricity being there on a flick of a switch really for granted, but not really understanding how that, you know, plays this role in the building i i've learned a lot from that interview that was really fascinating yeah and i think one of the, the points that tony and i touched on at the very end which uh, we'll have to come back to on, the, on another podcast is this idea of uh, you know a system is only as good as uh, as it's deployed and as it's used and so having a system in, a, in and of itself doesn't necessarily provide you power reliability it's the use of that system and the anal, uh, analytics of the data so I think something we have to talk about, I think, and, and look into more deeply, which is very, again, very closely linked to buildings of the future, is when you have this incredible data around your electrical system, by integrating that some of that data with your building management system, for example, 
you're going to put a lot more eyes and a lot more stakeholders that will have a lot more visibility on the reliability of their power system. And, and by having more, more stakeholders aware of it and uh, have that data available, uh, you're going to see a lot more um, impact in terms of power reliability. Agree, agree. That, that That's something I learned from that. Uh, a very good discussion. You mentioned um, it was it, this this talk that he had. Was it recorded somewhere? Is it something that we can share with people? Yeah, absolutely. We will post a link in uh, on on the this for this podcast where someone can go and they can rewatch that uh, webinar recording. Oh, cool. That's really good. And it's the whole thing that he was talking about. The whole event was it? Yeah, the whole thing. It's uh, I think forty five minutes uh, start to finish. Wow. Okay, that that's excellent. And I take you definitely up on this uh, up uh, follow up with uh, with Tony. I think that was uh, I think there's a lot more he can add and, and teach us in terms of how this is uh, developing. And again, of course, in, as we move into 2021, it will be interesting to see what he was talking about, how quickly that really does get applied. Perfect. Yeah, we will do. Well, Kevin, look, it's been a, a fascinating and strange 2020. Uh, to you and to all the listeners, uh, more than anything, I hope that you're all healthy, you're safe, and that uh, 2021 is a better year for you in whatever shape or form you you use the word as, as safe uh, and healthy for you and your families. And uh, I, and certainly I'm sure you, Kevin, as well, look forward to connecting with you again in the new year when hopefully there's some more news and positivity about this this whole situation. Absolutely. All the best. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for your time and speak to you all very soon. Thank you for making it to the end of this EcoExpert podcast by Schneider Electric. We hope you enjoyed the content and maybe even learned something. Make sure you subscribe to receive the latest episodes automatically to your device. Please visit our podcast webpage, which is located at ecoexpert.se.com forward slash podcast, where you can access the podcast content learn more about our hosts, and if you've got a moment, why not leave us some feedback as to which items you would like us to cover in the future.